Welcome to your podcast, Nothing But The Color Yellow. Today's presentation is a brief history. The show is based on research done from books, online articles, YouTube, and mostly for your cheap resources. Hope you enjoy. Hello again. This is your host, Gato, a.k.a. Jose. And today we have for you Pyrrhus, King of Epirus. So let's begin. What is a Pyrrhic victory? A victory that comes at a great cost. I'm sure you often wonder who this place is named after. Well, that would be Pyrrhus, King of Epirus. During his life, he was regarded as one of the greatest generals of his age, and after his death, he was regarded as one of the greatest of all time, having even the great Hannibal Barca praise him. But his, but, his, but his way of achieving victory was always costly, hence the phrase, Pyrrhic victory. Today, we'll discuss this enigmatic figure, so again, let's begin. Chapter 1. A New Kingdom is Born Epirus became a unified monarchy around the 4th century BCE. When the tribes of the Molossians, Thresposians, and Canoes united to create a strong state with coinage, tr tribal delegation, courts, and a king. The first king was King Neoptolemus I, starting the Molossian dynasty, in the kingdom of Epirus. He formed an alliance with King Philip II of Macedonia, also known as Philip the Great, who was the father of Alexander the Great. The Molossian dynasty claimed descent from the Greek hero Achilles, and they were the greatest tribe in Epirus, and Molossia was the most important part of Epirus. When Neoptolemus died in 360 BCE, his brother Arabas became king and cemented the treaty with the king of Macedonia, Philip II, by marriage of his niece Olympia. She became queen of Macedonia, and her brother Alexander was sent to Macedonia. In 350 BC, Philip invaded Molossia and installed Alexander, who was a child at the time. Arribas fled to Athens, where he would die in 342 BC of natural causes. In 338 BC, Philip would marry a woman named Cleopatra, causing tensions between him and Olympia, who would choose self-exile, seeking refuge with her brother Alexander, who would marry her daughter, who, guess what, was also named Cleopatra, as part of an arranged marriage that Philip made to cement the alliance with Epirus. This further isolated Olympia, and as it happens, her brother Alexander would have given her up to Philip, but luckily for her, he would die in 336 BCE, which was also his wedding day. She and her son Alexander would be suspected of having him killed, but nothing would come of this, and at this time, Alexander the Great would become the king of Macedonia and would head east, continuing Philip's plans to invade Persia. Chapter 2. The Other Alexander in 334 BC, Alexander of Molossia would go west to help the Greek colonies in the Italian peninsula, which resided in the hill of Italy, known as Magna Graecia, who were being attacked by the Mountain Tribe Federation, known as the Samnites. Once Alexander was there, he would defeat the Samnites, Lucanians, and Britannians, and take controls of the towns of Heraclea, Symponium, which was a pirate port. He also captured Consentia and Tarina. While in Italy, Alexander will also open negotiations with Rome. However, Alexander's time in Italy would be cut short as he was ambushed near Pandocia, and while he managed to kill the leader and escape the ambush, he would be killed by an ally when crossing a river named Acreon, or Acarion, which, funny enough, a few years before, an oracle had warned him he would die in a river of the same name. Alexander believed it to be... Alexander believed it to be the one in Greece, but... Funny enough, there was also one in Italy. How unfortunate. This death 
His death was believed to be in 33 BCE. Alexander's campaign weakened the Italian tribes and gave the Greek colonies some rest, but inadvertently helped Rome to eventually become the master of Italy by weakening her rivals. Alexander was succeeded by uh, Aesides, or Achaides, who was dethroned by the Macedonian leader Cassander in 317 BCE. He put Neoptolemus II on the throne. The Molossians' house took refuge in the court of Blackius of Glacius the Taulantine. Cassander had become regent for Aridaeus, who was selected to be king of Macedon, due to, the, due to have been the son of Philip II and Philenia, as well as a half-brother of Alexander. Cassander's star, Cassander's star was on the rise. Chapter 3. The Son of Epirus Pyrrhus was born in 319 BC. He was the son of Achilles and Lady Pythia. He grew up in the court of Glacius Talentine, who would help him regain his kingdom in 306 BCE. But the people of Epirus did not support him, and a revolt occurred, putting Neoptolemus II back in power in 302 BCE. After being forced to flee his kingdom, once again, Pyrrhus found himself involved in the succession wars, a conflict for control of Alexander's empire, also known as the Diadac War, in which Antigonus Monotolemus attempted to unite Alexander's empire. Glacius allied himself with Demetrius Polyocrates, son of Antigonus, by using Pyrrhus' sister Deidama, or Deidama, to cement an alliance. Pyrrhus fought alongside and was involved in the Battle of Ipsus in 301 BCE. He fought bravely, but the battle was lost and Antigonus was killed. After the battle, Pyrrhus was part of a bargaining between Demetrius and Ptolemy I of Egypt. Pyrrhus was to become a hostage of Ptolemy I and travel to Alexandria, where he endeared himself to Ptolemy I, who ruled the Egyptian slice of Alexander's empire, even marrying his stepdaughter Antigone in 297 BCE. Ptolemy financed Pyrrhus and helped him take back the Epirus throne, which Pyrrhus would regain for a time with Neoptolemus, but would have him assassinated in 295 BC during a banquet and gain full control of Epirus. Pyrrhus would make Dondona his religious center and, const and construct a theater of 17,000 seats, organize the Naya festival in honor of Zeus, and organize four yearly athletic games. In 294 BC, he went to Macedonia after being called to help with the succession after Cassander died and his son Philip IV also dying soon after of natural causes. Now, his two brothers would rule. Antipar got the western half, while Alexander V the eastern half. Pyrrhus, having helped restore balance between the brothers, for his troubles, he would get a part of Molossia that Philip II had conquered, as well as Ambrosia, I'm sorry, Ambrosia, which became his capital. Chapter 4. Look who's back. Pyrrhus was not the only one who was asked to come to Macedonia. Demetrius was also invited. He would arrive after Pyrrhus had helped settle things, but would still be received by Alexander V, who would throw a banquet in which he would be assassinated by Demetrius. The Macedonian army would proclaim him king, and he would go after Antipater, who would flee making Demetrius the sole ruler of Macedonia. Chapter 5. More Conquest After the incident with Macedonia, Pyrrhus would focus on procuring peace with his neighbors through marriage. With the unfortunate death of his wife, Antigone, Pyrrhus would be free to proceed. He would marry three women. The first was named Lanassa, and as his dowry, he obtained the island of uh, Leucas and Corsira. As it happened, she was the daughter of Agathocles, 
king of Syracuse, which was in Sicily. The second, I was unable to find her name, but her father was King Audelon of Paines. And the third was Persena, the daughter of the leader of the Illyrians. His sister was married to Demetrius, and with this, he was finally able to achieve his goal of peace. Chapter 6. Hello, my old friend. By 293 BCE, Demetrius had amassed much of Greece into his empire, the only holdouts with Sparta in the south and Atolia in the west. He could have conquered them in time, but an insurrection occurred in Thessaly and Boeotia, which was believed that Pyrrhus was involved. The stage for Pyrrhus and Demetrius was set, when after the death of Pyrrhus' sister, his wife, Lanassa, ran away and married Demetrius. In 290 BCE, when Demetrius attacked Atolia, Pyrrhus would declare on the side of Atolia. The two would then go to war. While Demetrius ravaged Epirus, Pyrrhus would fight uh, Pantelcus, who was Demetrius' vice commander. He would fight him in a duel, defeating him, and followed through with the defeat of his army. After this victory, Pyrrhus invaded Macedonia, but was repelled. Chapter 7. The Eagle In 289 BC, Pyrrhus and Demetrius renewed their alliance, bringing the war to an end. Having defeated the Macedonian army and invading its heartland, Pyrrhus had won the moral victory and gained the admirations of the people who gave him the nickname the Eagle, having accomplished something that many believed to be impossible, which was to defeat the Macedonians. Don't get confused, despite the defeat, Demetrius' kingdom was in a strong position, having a large army and strong navy, as well as having control over the Greeks. This would make the other successor kings wary, which resulted in, direct, in a direct war against their combined forces. Ptolemy sent his navy, uh, Lysimachus invaded Macedonia, and the great and magnificent Seleucus sent his moral support. To make things worse, in 288 BC, the Macedonians revolted, while Demetrius went on the offensive against the successor kings. He installed his son Antigonus II, Gonatas, as governor of Greece, but was not as capable as him and was unable to regain full control. As Demetrius was away and his son Antigonus was incompetent, Pyrrhus invaded Macedonia and was able to gain rule over the country, from the Ionian Sea to the west to the Aegean Sea in the east. Unfortunately for Pyrrhus, after the arrival of Lysimachus of Thrace, his, hands, his hand was forced, and he decided to split Macedonia and make the river Axius the border. In 286 BCE, Pyrrhus invaded Thessaly, who were on the side of Demetrius and his son Gonatas. But by this time, Gonatas had been pushed and was only in control of central Greece and the Peloponnese, so he was forced to capitulate and secede most of Thessaly to the eagle. The eagle was flying high. In 285 BC, Demetrius was captured by Seleucus and drank himself to death. Pyrrhus and Lysimachus began to quarrel, and as it turns out, Lysimachus was to prove them more cunning, buying Pyrrhus' officers' loyalty and catering to the Macedonians. By 285 BC, Southern Macedonia and Thessaly were part of Lysimachus' empire, and the eagle was forced to fly home to Epirus. But it would not last. In 281 BC, Lysimachus was defeated at the Battle of Corupendium by Seleucus, and he, in turn, would be killed by Ptolemy Caraunus. By this time, Pyrrhus had other plans and decided not to act upon this opportunity. Chapter 8. Hello, Italia. There were many Greek colonists in the boot of Italy and Sicily, and it had become tradition to invite generals or kings from Greece whenever there was trouble in Italy. In 281 BC, the city of Tarentum in southern Italy asked Pyrrhus for help against Rome after declaring war on them for helping the Thurii, Ringdom, and Locri. 
Daigo arrived in 280 BCE with 20,000 men, 3,000 cavalry, 20 elephants, 2,000 archers, 500 slingers. When he arrived, he took over the city and began to modify things to his liking in preparations for the upcoming conflict. For in Rome, Rome claimed descent from Aeneas of Troy, Pyrrhus from Achilles. The first confrontation was with Rome, ended in victory for Pyrrhus. The consul Publius Valerius Lavinianus was the one who confronted him, with an army composed of two legions of 4,200 men, two allied legions of the same size, 1,200 cavalry. The Romans were easily defeated as they had no answer for the Greek failings, losing 7,000 men, Pyrrhus lost 4,000, and gained as allies the tribes of Lucanians, Britannians, and Mesapians. As well as two Greek cities, Croton and Locri, Rome was losing the south. Pyrrhus would follow north, gaining the help of the Samnites, but failed to break the land alliance with Rome, and was being followed by the Roman consul. He retreated to winter in Campania, during which he sent an envoy named Cineas to treat with the Roman Senate. He brought gifts, which they mistook as bribes, and the war would continue. In the spring of 279 BC, the war continued with Pyrrhus attacking the Roman colonies of Luceria and Benusia to create a path toward Samnite territory and strengthen his allies. The Roman put two consular armies in the field with a total of 40,000 men. When the armies met in battle the first day, it was indecisive. The next day, Pyrrhus pushed the Romans back but failed to capture their camp. Rome had lost 6,000 men and consul Publius Decimus Mus had died while sacrificing himself in battle. Pyrrhus, however, only lost 3,500 men and was wounded by a javelin as well as having his camp destroyed. After the battle, Pyrrhus was heard to have said, I cannot afford another victory like this. Even after defeating the Romans in two exchanges, they would not give up, but Pyrrhus, however, would. He chose to treat with the Romans and come to an armistice, giving up his allies the Samnites and Lucanians who the Romans would attack when Pyrrhus left for Sicily. Chapter 9 Island Boy after the armistice with Rome, Pyrrhus would go to Sicily, having received a call of help from Syracuse against the Carthaginians. He would also receive a call for help from Macedonia and Greece, but he would choose Sicily. He left the garrison in Tarentum, but the citizens were not happy and told him to finish the war with Rome or leave the city as he found it. Pyrrhus simply ignored them and left. When he arrived in Sicily, he recruited an army from the locals and trained them. The army consisted of 2,500 cavalry, 30,000 infantry, and a fleet of 200 galleys. His first instinct was to attack the stronghold of Mount Eryx, even being the first to climb the wall. When negotiating with the Carthaginians, Pyrrhus fought the Mamertines, a group of mercenaries who occupied the city of Messina, after the, the death of King Agathocles of Syracuse. He defeated the Mamertines, but chose not to besiege the city. By the end of 277 BC, the Carthaginians had only Lilibon left, and Pyrrhus wanted to bring the battle to the Carthaginian homeland. However, Syracuse refused to continue the war, having achieved enough autonomy from Carthage and feeling secure with the treaty they had obtained. As Pyrrhus was leaving, he said, What a beautiful field we leave for the Romans and Carthaginians to fight. Carthage would in time regain what he had lost in Sicily. But by that time, it was not a Greek but a Roman who would come to Sicily and liberate it from the Carthaginians. Chapter 10. Farewell, Italia. Pyrrhus would arrive back in Rome in 275 BCE and renew the war against Rome. However, this time he, will, he only had a third of his army and attempted to attack the two Roman consuls separate. He attacked consul Manius Curius then Tatus at night near Malbentum 
is the city the Romans call Beneventum, modern-day Beneventum. They changed their name because Malbentum sounded like a bad opportunity in Latin, and Beneventum meant good opportunity. But he failed, and in the morning, he would be defeated by the Romans. After this defeat, the eagle would leave Italy for Greece, leaving behind a small force in Tarentum, promising to return, but the Greek cities, assuming he would not return, began to surrender to Rome. When Pyrrhus arrived in Epirus, Antigonus, the son of Conatus, had defeated the Celts, who had overrun the Macedonians and Greeks. He had also taken over Thrace and Macedonia, but had yet to consolidate his power. Pyrrhus would choose to use this opportunity to attempt and defeat Antigonus and take over Macedonia. Ptolemy, the son of Pyrrhus, was expanding the kingdom of Epirus at the time. He would join the effort of Pyrrhus to expel Gonatas from Macedonia in 273 BCE. Pyrrhus and his son were successful, and during the winter, Pyrrhus made an expedition to the south, where Gonatas still had some Greek cities under his control. During this expedition, a new king was installed in Sparta, while Argos was captured. During the fighting that followed the streets of Argos, he would be killed by an old woman who threw a tile of a rooftop. Pyrrhus died in 273 BCE and would be buried in Ambracia. Chapter 11. Final Word Pyrrhus was a conqueror and a very interesting one at that. His exploits were famous in ancient times, but they never reached the same degree of fame as Alexander. And of course, why would they? His conquests were never so large and his victories never so final. At the end, he would die in, by pure chance, but still, nobody can deny that he was indeed a great general, having defeated and fought the titans of his age. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Gato. Until next time, Gato out.